What I'm going to do is I'm going to take some time before we open the word uh, to pray. So let's just take some time. Let's pray. I'm going to open with uh, a New Year Puritan prayer um, as we start this time. So let's just take a few minutes. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Oh, love beyond compare. You are good when you give, when you take away. When the sun shines upon me, when the night gathers over me. You have loved me before the foundation of the world, and in love did you redeem my soul. You love me still, in spite of my hard heart and gratitude, distrust. Your goodness will be with me during another year, leading me through a twisting wilderness, in retreat helping me to advance. Your goodness will be with me in the year ahead. I hoist the sail and draw up anchor with you as the blessed pilot of my future as of my past. I bless you that you have veiled my eyes to the waters ahead. If you have appointed storms of tribulation, you will be with me in them. If I have to pass through the tempests of persecution and temptation, I shall not drown. Grant me grace that my faith fail not. Only glorify yourself in me, whether in comfort or trial. As a chosen vessel, may use me always for your sake. Father, we thank you that we can gather this New Year's Day that we can start this year by putting our focus on you. Lord, we thank you that you have been a faithful God in this year past, as you have of every year that has gone before. We thank you, Lord, that you will extend your faithfulness to us again for another year. Lord, we thank you for our church fellowship. We thank you for everyone who can gather this morning. Lord, for those who aren't well this morning, we commit them into your hands. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them and be with them. We thank, Lord, especially of the Thanksgiving service for Rena coming up on Thursday. Lord, we ask that you would bless Linda and Christine, the wider family. Lord, would they know your comfort and your love. Lord, we thank and we pray for Joanna Monroe and the family as well. Lord, ahead of our dad, John's funeral on Friday. Lord, we ask that you would just surround them, that you would bless them. Lord, that there would be a sense of your presence and your peace and your spirit. <coughs> Lord, we thank you that even in those difficult times, even in those most of difficult times, still you have been faithful to us. And Lord, now as we take a few minutes to reflect on this year past, and as we come to commit this year coming into your hands, Lord, would you do a work in our lives, we pray. Amen. Amen. I wonder, I don't know about you, but having the way Christmas and New Year set up this year, I don't really feel like I've had much time to stop. And... This is a, a, a the simple question to open is how was twenty twenty two for you? Um, that that that's really it as an opener for you just to think of for a moment. It's hard, isn't it? It's a hard question because it's three hundred and sixty five days, and there are without doubt good days and there are bad days and there are good seasons and there are bad seasons and there are healthy times and sad times and 
good times and difficult times and amongst that. But I wonder what your overall reflection on this year would be. I wonder if it's, a, if it's generally a positive one, if it's one in which you've grown personally, spiritually, physically. Maybe you've seen success at work, you've restored, you've grown relationships. Maybe your family, like mine, has grown. Maybe you've got a new job, or it's just generally been a quiet post-pandemic year, which has been very, very welcome. And hopefully we can all say that, that, that now, in 2023, I'm closer to the Lord than I was this time last year. But I wonder if your 2022 reflection is different from that. I wonder if it's been a really hard year. Maybe finances have been a total worry eh, with the cost of living going through the roof. Maybe you've known relationship breakdown. Maybe you've known loss, as many in our fellowship have. Maybe you've lost the job, or maybe you're just reflecting on this year, saying, man, this just wasn't a great year for me and Jesus. Or maybe 22 was just another year that's just been checked off an ever-growing list of years with which we have lived. However we reflect on 2022, I want to give you some fuel for 23. And I want to do that by turning to Deuteronomy, if you would turn with me. And just some of the most fabulous words to affirm us into the new year. So we're going to go to Deuteronomy and chapter 7. And we're going to read from verse 6. The words will be on the screen if you want to read along. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, reading from verse 6. It says this. For you are a people holy to the Lord God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This is our focus verse for today, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandments, statute and rules that I have commanded you today. My simple encouragement as we turn into this year and the fuel for the year ahead is simply that God is faithful. That God was faithful before the earth was created. He was faithful when this was written over 3,000 years ago. He was faithful that first Christmas. He was faithful when you were born. He was faithful last year and he's going to be faithful this year. And I want to reflect firstly just on the promises of God and how we can be sure of God's faithfulness, of how we can be sure of God's promises. And the first thing that is made so abundantly clear in here is that God's promises are fulfilled because he is God. 
I wonder if you can think of any moments that a child you know has had a desire to do something, but in their desire to do something have vastly overestimated their ability to do it. I was about nine and I was out on my bike with my, my dad and my sister. I had my helmet on and there was a wall. Now at that time it was big. It probably was, to be fair, about two feet tall. And I thought, I'm going to jump this wall on my bike. Fabulous, let's do it. So pedaling along, why my dad didn't stop me, I don't know. But I got to probably about two feet away and then I got really scared and hammered the brake on. And I didn't stop in time. And I fell straight down this little wall, head first, straight over, cuts down the back of my hands, on my head, everything else. And that was the product of a I can do it attitude. And at that age, I certainly couldn't do it. And I had to walk all the way home, greeting away as my dad carried my bike and it wasn't fun for anybody. In all of life, it's fairly insignificant. And at times, children can much seriously more injure themselves when they estimate, overestimate their abilities. But I think there's a reason that every child has these kind of experiences where they overstretch what they believe they can do. And I think it's because it's the, it's the history of humanity. It's the history of us. It's the, it's the ingrained nature of who we are. And what I think is interesting in reflection of the land of Israel is they assumed that when a promise was given by God, it was their job to fulfill it. That they would see a promise of God and say, I can do it. The Lord gives this promise and the response was, I can do it. I know what I'm doing here. But it's painfully obvious that as we look here at the promises of God, at what God has promised his people, that there is no way that man would be able to accomplish what God has promised. You see, God reminds Israel in verse 6 that he has chosen them to be a people for his treasured possession. And I think when the Israelites read things like this, they assumed that it was because of their desirability. They assumed that it was because there was something about them that was worth this love. That there was something about them that was worthy of, uh, of God choosing them as his people. And of course, in verse 7, God reiterates that that is not the case, that it is not because of their performance that God would bless them. In Deuteronomy 9, 6, he's even more pointed. He said that he's not going to give them the land to possess because of their righteousness. He makes it abundantly clear to them. And in Joshua, we see God graciously give the land that he promised to his people. This prosperous land would be theirs to keep if they would trust the Lord and follow him instead of their own hearts. And the book of Judges is the sad story that follows much of that. And what follows, what, what, what happens in Judges really is the unfolding here of, of Deuteronomy 7. And we see this rock bottom time for the people of Israel shouldn't really come as much of a surprise to them. But what I find fascinating, without going into much more depth of uh, 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 the scripture on this is, is ultimately the people thought they could do things. They couldn't do it, but God did it anyway. Why? Because God was faithful to them. And this first point is, he is God. And full stop. That's it. It is enough for that to be written in and of itself. He is 
God. God is holy. God is just. God is sovereign. He is loving. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. God's promises are fulfilled because he is God and we are not. What an encouragement to go into a new year with. He is God and we can rest in him. Hallelujah. It's not about me, it's about him. Put everything upon him. Just as we were looking at with our children earlier, it's simply that. Trust in him. Cast everything upon him, put everything on him, and he will make your paths straight. Fuel for 2023. God is God and you're not. Submit your ways to him and he will make your path straight. Secondly, God's promises are fulfilled because he is faithful. If there was ever anybody that had a reason not to be faithful to somebody, it was God. And it continues to be God to this day. Verse 8, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God makes a promise and he's faithful ultimately to that promise. This is a promise made way back in the beginning. This is God creating and part of this journey is God creates this new Jerusalem for his people to dwell with him, this redeemed Eden from way back. But this glorious picture looking forward, this first home, <coughs> this first home of humanity, Eden, destroyed by sin. And it was first there that humanity decided to worship creation rather than the creator. And as a result, we lost our home. We lost our home of that first Eden and yet God by his grace is in the business of making things new and his promise is for those that trust in his provision rather than their own performance they will find rest in the home that he has built unbelievers are called to turn from this I can do attitude trust in the Lord God through Christ and as believers, we are called to cling to those promises because we trust in the God who made the promises. See, God promised his people their new home. He carried out this seemingly impossible task of delivering them from slavery. Why did he do it? Because he is faithful to his promises and he is faithful to his people. Do you know, God had split a sea, delivered however many hundreds of thousands he put up with wild disobedience for centuries. I think God's big enough to be faithful to you in 2023. So then we see that ultimately God displays his faithfulness to us in the sending of his son. There are dozens and dozens of places we could go for this, of scriptures we could go to to look at the faithfulness of God. But very simply, we see his faithfulness. We see that God sent his son in its first utterly earth-shattering, mind-boggling, that through him, John 3.16, that we might have eternal life. That Jesus is the author of that eternal salvation. That Christ died for the atonement of sin. 
and that God promises to remove our sin. And that God will take that sin and he will throw it into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. This, this is a picture of a faithful God. This is a picture of a God that cares for us so deeply, so immensely, that he would send his only son to come and to die for us. Friends, just as with the Israelites, there is nothing that we have done that deserves this. There is nothing that we do somehow based upon our performance. I wonder if you feel that. I wonder if you feel that there is a sense in which you have to perform for God, that you feel there is a duty that you have to, that that your faith is somehow based upon what you do. Yes, we want to walk humbly and faithfully with our God. Yes, we want to be obedient to him. But friends, it is not that that saves us. You see, we're told in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Full stop. It's absolute. We can have utter confidence that God forgives. Without his ability to do so, he would not be God. But he is God and through his son, He has set us free. Friends, rest. It's a good thing to do anyway, but rest in the faithfulness of God. God displays his faithfulness to us in his son, the Lord Jesus. I want to show you a quote that that, that I read this week. Um, You might know Ali McLaughlin. He's a pastor, Grace Baptist in Edinburgh. Um, If it pops up. Simply says this, true spiritual growth in 2023 will come from routine, not revolution, from habit, not innovation, from the steadfast, not the sensational. May 2023 be the year of basics for us. May it be the year that we immerse ourselves in the world, building godly routines and habits into our households that honour God and draw everybody within our households closer to God's. You're probably not going to change the world this year. If you are, that's fantastic, and I hope you do it really well. You're probably not called to be some kind of revolutionary this year, but you are called to be faithful to your maker. May this be the year that each of us relies more and more upon the God who is faithful to his promises. Let us rest in the faithfulness of God.